Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend a night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 28, and we know that you've been waiting for this moment for quite a long time, but finally, Free Range Idiocy has come back! To our deep geek on Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. That's right. We weren't just teasing with that episode on Razor. We're diving back into BSG proper with the first half of the final season. My name is Todd, and with me as always, you would never guess by looking at him, but he is incredibly adept at both air guitar and Chuck Norris spin kicks. He is the Paul White to my Chris Jericho. Well, it's time to break some walls down. I give you the man they call Tim. Brother Todd, how we doing this evening? I kind of scratched my throat on that one. I got I might have to change that that intro a little bit. Oh boy. <laughs> I feel I feel I might have scarred myself. I've I've, I've blown a vocal cord. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I I am aside from that I'm doing all right. Well, and, that's uh, good. And, and yourself, sir? I am well. I am well. Uh, we are entering into week ten of lockdown, and uh, you know we're 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 making it work. So I'm not even going to comment on that because all that's going to come out of my mouth is hateful words. Can, do you want to play name the tag team? You know, I remember when they were together, but I don't remember their name. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Jericho. Was it Jericho? Oh, son of a... I thought I had you. <laughs> thought I had you. I thought it would be so terribly obvious you would miss it, and I almost made it. Oh, well, let's yeah, let's, was, let's be honest here. I mean, it wasn't like you had to add a whole lot of imagination to that name. You know, take well, the yeah. big show, and, you know, there you have it. So... What I what I did like was I, I had I really didn't this was after my my wrestling uh, watching days and well after and before really because since I've watched a little bit of it in the in the past couple of years here the the funny part was I went back and I watched the themes I I found like the theme music and it really is just a mashup of Big Show and Jericho's theme music which I never really was I never understood why no one else did that after hearing it. Like it was, it was beautiful in how just stupid it was, you know. Starting off with that well, and then going into break the walls down. Oh yeah, just, yeah. Oh, it, and then it going was, into like, oh, it, and then it was rhyming, just so like, thrown together, you know. Oh, but yet at the same time, Jericho can pull that off. Oh yeah, like he just carries. It does, I mean, look at what he's doing now, or or the thing with the scarfs or whatever. Chris he, Jericho is like the Swiss Army knife of professional wrestling. That that man knows how to how to how to continually change, remarket himself, um, gimmick. You know, just change his gimmick altogether. Take a concept, flip it on its head. I mean, 
He is the MacGyver of professional uh, wrestling. Oh yes, thank you, thank you. Give him, give him some duct tape and like three objects. Or actually, you know what? It's almost like whose line is it anyways when they give him the random props? Like, here, build a gimmick out of these four things. All right. I mean, and he you, just does it. You you remember that clip I sent you from last fall or, or was like close to winter where he, he uh, he, so he's an AEW, this this new startup mm-hmm. uh, promotion um, that Cody. Which actually, didn't they just beat, uh, didn't they, they beat uh, WWE in ratings or yes. something like that? Yes. So, so before the pandemic Oof. happened where it's led to all these empty arena shows and, and I think viewership has dwindled a bit because I think wrestling in an empty arena is just kind of hard. You know, I mean, I yeah. think. You know they're they're doing the best they can with it, but I think it's still a hard you know medium to kind of translate when you don't have a crowd. Mm-hmm. And he was doing uh, he he was in the middle of a feud with um, uh, he was Dean Ambrose in WWE, but he's John Moxley in AEW. And yeah, he was reading oh it was this list of um, a wrestle list of wrestlers that he would not wrestle ever again. Yes, and. You know, there's an example where so two years prior to that, when he was in WWE, he came up with this concept of the list. Mm -hmm. And it was this thing that he somehow got over big time with the crowds where the crowds would just go crazy when he would add someone to the list. It sounds so stupid, Mm -hmm. but he made it. uh, This is is the brilliance of Jericho. He carries everything off. It's it's ridiculous. He absolutely does. And so now you had him, um, you know, going through this list. And the way he did it was just so funny. You know, I mean, he's reading it completely deadpan, like serious bad guy heel sort of, you know, re- going through this list. But <laughs> it was so it was so ridiculous. We'll have to post the link to it in the show notes. Yeah. It's, it's on YouTube somewhere. But anyways, it, it's he, he is such a creative guy. And then you have uh, Paul White, the Paul Big Show White, who is just a I mean, the guy just is a perennial workhorse for, for being this massive seven foot guy. And Andy has his own show on Netflix right now, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I think his wrestling days are over. I think, you know, if he does wrestle, it's he, he's he's on that track of it being, you know, once in a while now. <laughs> he's on the Undertaker program. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Take him out of the cryo chamber once a year. Basically. Yeah. I mean, that that, 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 that poor guy just went around the, the, the baby face heel, you know, merry-go-round so many times i mean they they just really just uh, well, they were, drained him does, of of you know i don't mean to say drain him of interest but it's like when you have a guy whose character flips that many times yeah you know it's like it just loses any sense of value you know and it, yeah. and it doesn't become very shocking when it happens but but overall he he's uh, I, I ironically from documentaries i've seen he is for his size he is probably one of um I don't mean to say one of the best wrestlers, but but one of the guys, uh, I think a few of the wrestlers have said, te- from a technical wrestling standpoint, he really knows how to teach the younger guys, you know, how, how to move around in the ring, how to sell, how to, you know, he, he's really been kind of key to bringing some of the, the, the young talent up. So, so he, which you wouldn't think for a bigger guy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like a big guy is normally kind of plotting and not very athletic or, or, or not very nimble and he he just has that right mix of athleticism and and to go with with just the the size that he has so yeah yeah i think the other thing that that was always tough for him was just being that big being in that andre the giant-esque yeah bracket mm-hmm. you know i mean i don't know if i don't know what the size comparison is or anything like that and, and it's tough to do anyways because it, no wrestler is ever a legit 
listing you know they're always it's always up or down or whatever it's almost like trying you know when they say oh well this nfl lineman weighed in at this like yeah that's a wink and a nudge right there like yeah he weighed in at 305 when right when he was right when he was in high school <laughs> have you seen this guy <laughs> ain't no way that guy's 305 we're talking he might be pushing four yeah but being in that category and the same reason why they moved andre around so much is because you you kind of lose interest Mm-hmm. Because the the character is just being a giant. Yes, and it's tougher for someone like that to avo- to to find something besides like, hey, I'm big, right? And well, know. and 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 the big conundrum with having a character like that is the fact that, it, you know, for for all intents and purposes, and I think this is one of the reasons or one of the ways promoters worked around Andre the Giant was, you know, they they rarely had him you know challenge for the title, and when he did challenge for the title, it was. You know, he would win by count out or some by 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 some other means where he didn't get the pin on the champ. So he wouldn't get the belt because let's be honest, if he ever won, who the heck Mm -hmm. is going to pin him? You know what I mean? Especially Andre. Andre was just so massive and it it would take someone of a similar size, you know, to really make it believable that he could lose as a champion. And so, you you know, you you had, you know, White uh, or sorry, Big Show had, had the same, you know, sort of struggle because he he was so much bigger than everyone and it would take you know fighting in the ring with uh, here's another one you should put in the show notes when he and lesnar did the suplex do you you remember that no lesnar looked at it was in a smackdown from um somewhere in the late 2000s i love Um, that you have this information just stored away oh it is well you you don't forget this one but lesnar does takes the big show and does a vertical suplex from the top turnbuckle hits the ring now, of course, they gimmick the ring to do this, but mm. the ring then collapses. So, yeah. so there's the impact of their bodies hitting, so one boom, and then all of a sudden everything around the ring just collapses and the ring collapses with a mm-hmm. second boom, and the crowd just goes nuts. I mean, it was such a visual that the yeah. two of them created. But, but you know, that's the thing. It would take a guy like Lesnar or someone, you, you know, uh, like Drew McIntyre right now who, you know, I never realized until they started to highlight him this year, um, you know, standing next to Lesnar, McIntyre, he doesn't dwarf Lesnar, but he's taller and he's bigger. Mm. And and you really are like, wow, you know, you, I, I, McIntyre, for some reason, I thought he was more of a Shawn Michaels, you know, kind of body type. Um, but, you know, a guy like him, I mean, you know, he could make it believable taking it to a guy like that. So, so anyway, so it's just, you know, it's just interesting, you know, pairing up, you know, a guy like Jericho, who's just the ultimate showman and, and you know, Big Show, who is just you know, this 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 very athletic big man was was just kind of a fun pairing, but but albeit very random. Yeah, I think it would have been good if they'd used your your name for that as a as a gimmick. Well, it's a big conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that would have some legs. I think so, too. I think someone so get Vince on the phone for me. I'm talking to the non-existent production I know. staff that I have here in my office. I love it. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be like the Joe Rogan pod, podcast where he's just asking that dude, "Hey, can you look this up? Yeah. Can you look this up? Yeah. Can you look this up?" I just want that dude just wants to grab his laptop and huck it at Joe Rogan, like, "You know what? Look it up yourself." <laughs> <laughs> I have hopes and dreams too. Oh, gotta love it. Anywho, gotta love it. Yeah. Well, thank you all for tuning in and indulging us in about ten minutes worth of wrestling right at the top of a show about Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> We mix it up. Let it not be said. Yeah, unfortunately, we most people would say we don't mix it up nearly enough or way too much. 
So you can't make everybody happy, and that's why we're trying to make no one happy. So we appreciate you all for tuning in and for downloading, for subscribing. You can find us on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. You can also find us on YouTube. Just go ahead and search Free Range Idiocy there. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube because that's where we put full-length episodes. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, on iTunes, on Spotify, or you go right to freerangeidiocy.com. That will take you to our Podbean page. You'll see all of our episodes, and bada-bing, bada-boom, there you go. And as well, we are taking questions and suggestions from the listening audience. You can send those to tim at freerangeidiocy.com. Have I missed anything? Uh, no, I, I, I think you've, you've covered uh, most of the angles. Business has been addressed, and uh, there's only one piece that we need to do before we get into BSG. Uh, yes, and since you mentioned that we're in week ten of lockdown, I'm especially looking forward to this part. So, sir, uh, what are you drinking? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Ah, there we go. Oh, we got a can. We got a can. We have a can. Got a nice pop out of that one. This Should I should I play the can can with or that's probably for something else. Entirely. I will leave it to the executive producer if he wants to include the can can. But All right. Well, we'll see. This is uh from Solemn Oath Brewery, local brewery here in uh, the West Suburbs, Suburbs. That's that Suburbs, Suburbs. Oh, nice. of Chicagoland, uh Naperville, yeah, Illinois. Uh I am drinking tonight the Snaggletooth Bandana American mm. India Pale Ale clocking in at a 6.5 ABV. Now, what exactly is a snaggletooth bandana? I'd imagine it's a bandana that um, <laughs> may have a snaggletooth or two on it. That's why he gets the big buck, big bucks, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness! And how and how does it taste, sir? It is a tasty little treat. This one, nice, very nice, ah, very nice wow. pale, very nice uh, IPA, very nice. And what are you consuming, my friend? Well, uh, the the whiskey of the night is Johnny Drum, Kentucky bourbon uh, out of the Willett Distillery in Bardstown, Nelson County, Kentucky. And this is the Johnny Drum private stock. Mm. I don't know if that if there's even a regular stock. I do not know, but it is uh, it is coming from the bourbon capital of the world, Bardstown, Kentucky. It is quite lovely. Very and, nice. Um, yeah, so it's a very smooth, smooth drink. No snaggletooth? No, there's no snaggletooth at all with this one. All right. Maybe a maybe a buck tooth, I'm not sure. <laughs> Perhaps a missing tooth. I don't know, but I'm not I didn't ask for dental records, I guess is all what right. I'm trying to say. All right. So uh, we, uh, again, the part of the reason why we have uh, this uh, this moment here is because, well, we are in lockdown, but also you had to teach a youngin about some driving. Oh yes, yeah. We we, we had. Uh, so you need a little you need a little pressure release <laughs> right now <laughs> to calm the nerves. Yes, yeah. We we both had uh, you know kind kind of uh, momentous semi traumatic <laughs> occurrences this week for for myself. Yes, my my uh, my oldest has uh, his license and is a licensed driver, and my youngest is. Uh, Right there, ready to learn. Of course, with the pandemic going on, that kind of complicates that whole process a smidge. But uh, yeah. you know, we, we we got out and um, did fantastic. First time out, you know, little uh, easing him into it. So 
uh yeah it, it was it was good it was it was very good now have you heard about what they're doing i think it was in florida because uh, i mean of course all the all the weird stuff seems to happen in in florida it seems like you know the whole florida man thing but uh did you hear that in some states they're actually allowing people allowing kids to get their license without the driving test really because what could possibly go wrong there ah uh, yeah well that's and, that's smart <laughs> And 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 the other thing was as as you were as we were talking pre-show and you mentioned taking him to the uh, to the big parking lot. Yes. I remembered where my where my parents gave me my mom actually took me for my first kind of like driving experience. It was in a cemetery. <laughs> really. Which, in a way, kind of made sense because there's a you know there's a lot of like turning and it's a little bit you know roads and hey if you hit anyone. I mean, <laughs> chances are, you hit anything. Chances are, you're not going to hurt anyone. Either, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. Your 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 chances of running into anybody that's of the living is is kind of slim and none. So yes. that was immediately what I thought about when you when you when you told me about the venue in which you had given said instruction. I I thought you were going to say they just threw you into the deep end and had you just you know start out on Spalding Turnpike and off you went. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Although that was, it was pretty funny. My dad had a work truck, and I got to drive that, which was totally different experience than driving a car. Nice, nice. So yeah, there was there was some interesting moments in my in my young driving career. I actually took I took so my 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 driving test was at night. Really, it was in the dark. Oh my because, gosh! Because uh, my birthday being in the winter, it was getting dark really early. Oh jeez! And it, it wasn't like an, it wasn't like eight o'clock at night, but it was like four in the afternoon and. In the winter, it can get really dark, and it was. It happened to be a night when it was really overcast, so it was real dark, real early. Oh, jeez! <laughs> Almost got into two accidents, oh. neither of which were my fault. <laughs> oh, it was both like just idiotic drivers who one ran a stoplight. Oh, wow! And another was just not paying attention. And the dr- the driving the driving instructor who was giving me my test was actually very complimentary of my reflexes. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like. And I'm I'm like shaking. I'm like, hey. <laughs> like, good job. I'm like, how are you so calm? Oh wait, you do this all the time. Right, right. You you are either the calmest person in the world or you have a death wish. Yes. I don't know which. Maybe it's both. Who yes. knows? Anyways. Uh, and then your momentous occasion. Yes, yes. I am a proud father of a teenager. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, things uh, just as as good old Jr. used to say, business is about to pick up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no truer words have been spoken, my friend. You know, I mean, I I've already gotten eye rolls that I can actually hear. Like, have you ever had that happen? Oh boy, I don't think you're a I don't think you're really a parent until you've had if, until you've like actually heard an eye roll, like the, dice in a Yahtzee cup, the supersonic like, eye roll. Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. It's amazing. But yeah, no, it's 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 not. Uh, I am blessed. I have a wonderful, wonderful kid. But oh my gosh, yeah, teenager. That's just a wacky time for everyone. So I'm bracing. I am bracing for impact, like in the mini series. Welcome of to the Star jungle. Galactica. Brace for contact. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm, I'm doing. Hoshi, right now. hit the FTL. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, no, Hoshi didn't show up till later. Anyways, let's I know, uh, let's. I know. 
now that we've again we're we are deep into the episode and nothing has happened yet so far so let's actually start talking we are, we're talking about Battlestar Galactica season four the final season of mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. which really hurts because again after watching these episodes I'm like why couldn't they have run for tw- why couldn't this have been cheers like I would have just been like yeah find earth okay let's find the next earth yeah. just keep going yep. keep going but that was not meant to be no so uh, you you have some general thoughts here, which I I, th- I would I would very much like to hear your thoughts in general. Yeah, on, uh, the first well, half of season four. Yeah, so I I think we're you know in the interest of of hopefully not not recording until four in the morning on this topic. Um, yeah, we're, we're 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 I got no place to go. We're trying to 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 take a different approach to it. But first off, thematically, uh, with with the first half of season four. Is really what really stood out to me when I started watching these episodes was just how the theme of of division on both sides started to crop up um, almost immediately. Like like oh, yeah. they're they're uh, with season three ending um, in it's I forget it was it a nebula they were at yes right it, it was the nebula that ends up being a linchpin for both the the fleet and for the Cylons to start having fractured groups within themselves and fractured decisions um, needing to be made because of a lot of difficult decisions and information that, that comes to light. And on, on the fleet side, Starbuck, her return causes a lot of angst, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And on the flip side, uh, on the Cylon side, the you know at the end of season three, we come to find out that you know, Ty, Tyrrell, Anders, and Tori are all Cylons. They are four of the final five, and their presence ends up causing the Cylons to now start to splinter themselves. Because you have uh, three of the models would would like to pursue the final five, and the other three models would prefer to not. And there's mm-hmm. one and model left that's been boxed, who has well, seen their you faces. Also have the- you also have the wild card of Boomer breaking with her with her model, yep. With her model, which yep. has never happened before. So I no. mean, as if you need that situation more complicated. Yes, and so it was just interesting that you know the first three seasons it was very much the fleet versus the Cylons, and now this first half we start to see it break into smaller groups and just more fractured, you know, kind of uh, divisions there um, mm. of of thought and and purpose, and so. And then the interesting, the other interesting part with the final five is how they, like I just said, they're a dividing point, but they also end up being a unifying point because it is mm-hmm. only through their presence and the revelation of who they are mm-hmm. that leads to the Cylons and the fleet actually coming together to find Earth. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that fun little nugget at some point soon. Oh, yes, we will. So just thematically, that's just what kind of stood out to me. And and as we start to go through our top five moments, we'll kind of touch on, you know, how some of those themes get emphasized and kind of revisited uh, over and over again with what happens in these episodes, because there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's some instances of hypocrisy, um, which we'll talk about with with Rosalind and Starbuck. And, you know, Mm. there's 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 just a lot of, of fractures going on. I mean, it's not like the first three seasons were ever without, you know, drama or issue on either side, but it just seemed like everything starts to fall apart after the nebula for, for both sides. And it's interesting how it all kind of comes together at the, uh, at the mid season finale. 
Yes, indeed. So for those of you who remember when we were when we first started on this journey, this wonderful podcast journey that we've been on now for it's got to be about a year now, hasn't isn't it? Uh, we're getting there. We're uh, I think we started in June. Oh, wow. Yeah, we are creeping up on the first anniversary. And uh, so when we first started this out, and, and it, was, it was a few episodes in when we first started going through all of our favorite Battlestar Galactic episodes, <laughs> we would pick, uh, I, f- I forget how many episodes we were picking at the beginning, and it was insane. And these episodes were three hours long, and we're trying not to do that this time. So we're, we're going to break this down by uh, each of our top five moments from the, the ten episodes that make up the first half of season four. Mm-hmm. Uh, top three characters, and then top three episodes, which we will not discuss in depth and, and do our normal script read-through. Because it was, it was as, as we were talking earlier, it was more like a filibuster than a recap. <laughs> it was like we were trying to put off a very important vote, and, and we were just reading what we were reading stuff out of the phone book, essentially. Oh, my gosh. So we're going to attempt to not do that. So let's dive in with our top five moments. Mm-hmm. And, sir, why don't you first start us out? So I'm going to count backwards from five to one. Uh, you know, I, I kind of rank them in terms of the impactful nature of them. Um, but I'll start with, with number five, which I entitled Starbuck v. Roslin. That's right. I went all Batman v. Superman on this one. Oh, please don't mention that. <laughs> My uh, hatred for that movie is an entire episode. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the two episodes in question, um, ma- mainly because one of them ends and then the next one begins and picks up right where it leaves off. Uh, he That Believeth Me and Six of One. Basically, Roslyn doesn't trust Starbuck, but seems to forget she asked the fleet to follow her quest to find Earth based on a drug-induced vision. Yes. Kettle, thy color is black, I say. Mm-hmm. I found Rosalind to be insufferable in this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, this, she she is she was she is awful. Oh my, gosh. she is incredibly unlikable at times in this in this in this portion of the show. Yes, yeah, and it is it is it's kind of tough because in a way, her and Adama have kind of switched roles in some and sometimes it feels like like she's the hard ass and he's the soft touch. Yeah. Yeah. But she's not good at being a hard ass. Like she can't be a hard ass in kind of a nice, like trying to build you up way. Like she just wants to eradicate you from the from from the existence essentially. Yes. yes. And you know what was interesting, and you understand it to a point with with them fearing Starbuck as a Cylon because she's been away for I believe they said two or three months, right? Two months. Yeah. About two months when from the time that. Uh, if you want to call it the accident or, or whatever you want to call it happened to her until when she comes back, they just do they, they don't know what to make of her, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's completely understandable. They're starting, you know, season four gets into some real funky territory mm-hmm. because it's it's a bit delving more into the spiritual. It's getting into a bit more of of, you know, destiny and, um, you know, some higher power kind of using these people as pawns in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Starbuck comes back, Rosalind just does not accept her for being Starbuck, e- even though everything they see in her and, and can tell from her shows that she isn't a Cylon. Um, they just can't understand how she came back. And, and, yeah. and that's the part that, that they can't reconcile. But for Rosalind, you know, when, when Starbuck's only request is, you know, trust me, let me find, you know, stop jumping further and further away. I need to find, you know, get back to, to Earth. We can find it. Mm-hmm. It was just such a hypocritical turn for her character 
to be like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. You're a Cylon. You're leading us to our doom. And, you know, nothing you have to say is of value to me. Good day, madam. Yes. Um, but, I said good day. Yeah, I said good day. Um, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, she just does not trust her and, and will not follow her. And uh, and yeah, I found her very very frustrating in that moment because and Starbuck correctly calls it, calls that out. I mean, she basically says, you know, I I stood by you when you had your own vision of of finding Earth. You oh, know, yeah, and, and, and in a in a personal way, like she yeah. went, she risked everything jumping back to Caprica. Yep, to get the arrow, to get the arrow to 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 fulfill what she was seeing in these. And they were. She she was on the Kamala extract, and it was causing her to have mm-hmm. these visions. She's all whacked out in that Kamala. <sighs> I tell you, nothing like a little mm. Kamala. Um, well, you know, <laughs> I got nothing. I, I got nothing. I I made that up. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, she she, I, she just. I want I want I want Snoop to become a Battlestar Galactica fan, so he can do a whole album just on Battlestar Galactica <laughs> references. Is that a is that. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? I mean, can we get can we send Snoop some DVDs or something and 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 hook him up? I think he'd be into it. Adama faux shizzle. <laughs> make money, money, make money, money, money. <laughs> Anyways, um, where, where are we heading with this? No, I, I mean it's it, I mean that's really it. it. It's just that that whole interaction between the two of them and the fact that you know in six of one right at the beginning, uh, you know Starbuck even puts the gun down and says, "Take the gun and shoot me," and she tries to. Oh yeah, and yeah. she she misses even though she's at point blank range. Uh, Point blank range. Nobody gets hurt. But um, but she, but yeah. Are she, we sure that Rosalind isn't a stormtrooper? Could be. Nice shooting, Elmer Fudd. Did she try shaking that gun? Does it sound like a you know a, a spray paint can? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite things in science fiction. L- little Mandalorian there. Thank you. So yeah, that was that. Oh yeah, that just that, infuriated me. It, 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 you know, I know it's entertainment. I watch it for fun, but you know the writers are doing a good job when the character just gets under your skin and you're just like, Argh! you know, you just get frustrated yeah. with her. And and that's and they played it to perfection. I mean, that's exactly how she came across. And you know, she just had this very stubborn and arrogant streak about her. But in the end, Adama, you know, finds a compromise where he kind of where he gives Starbuck uh, gives Starbuck a ship and a crew, and mm-hmm. sends her off on her way and keeps the fleet safe so that Rosalind can't protest. But yeah, it's it's it was just a very frustrating you know interaction between those two because you you know as a viewer, you know that Starbuck coming back is a miraculous thing. It must have a purpose to it. She must be onto something. And for goodness sakes, why now do you you not want to listen to the one person who may know her? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and and I mean that scene in particular. I think both of both both Mary McDonnell and 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 Katie Sackhoff were were tremendous in it. But oh, yeah. honestly, yeah. Uh, Katie Sackhoff's performance in that was just so intense, mm-hmm. and, and like like just buying every single thing that she's talking about, and it was. I just I love that scene. I I agree. It was great, which is why one of my top fo- uh, top five moments is all of episode one. He that believeth in me. Um, I I couldn't narrow it down to one out of that, so I was just like, eh. <laughs> There's nobody really you know setting these rules, so I'm picking the whole episode. What what are you gonna do? Come at me, bro. So nothing specifically about about the episode, just the entire thing. I felt it was such a great it was such a great way to come out of Razor. And to really just put you back into the regular stream of story, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. did it in such a nice way that I felt 
specific uh, just from watching Razor, then going right in, going back into, uh, you know, the first episode of season four, it just felt perfect. Yeah. To me. Yeah. I, I loved it. I I thought there were some great performances. I just thought everyone was really on in that episode. Um, you know, Callus was oh like a Baltar. I mean, again, just the Baltar cult is is so ridiculous, but yet you could see it coming a mile away <laughs> if you were paying attention. <laughs> of course, Baltar is going to become a cult leader. Of course, he is. Like, there's no other way that this character is going to go. He is going to have a compound somewhere. It, That's it, the way it works. It is so cool to see his character embody this this journey from scientist to politician mm. to then religious leader. Oh yeah. I mean he he just he he his character is literally a touchstone for for all those major cultural points that that a culture, you know, requires, you know, in terms of having having scientific knowledge, having political influence and power and then having religious belief and and faith. Um mm-hmm. it's it, it's just it was such a neat use of his character because once season 3 ended, what what's left for him? You know, I mean, he was mm-hmm. lost. He had no one in the fleet that wanted to be around him. Um, and it, it was just kind of an interesting place to take his character next. And, and, and I thought it was well, well done. Very well done. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those deals where you you, you see him become more and more self-aware. Yes. But yet at the same time, he is still ridiculous. Ridiculous, because he is he. Even though he's self-aware, his ego is just front and center in everything. Like it, he can't help himself. Yeah, he, the character just can't help himself. Well, and, and, and it, it it makes it it makes him so fun to watch. But yet, then when all of a sudden it gets serious, mm-hmm. then Baltar can actually be like kind of the the pivot point for so many of these plot lines because. Number one, James Callis is a really good actor, mm-hmm. and 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 this character that they've given him is a lot to work with. But I'm sure there was a lot of what he did with it, just from listening to some of the the commentaries where they're like, "We didn't realize how funny Baltar was until you know Callis gets is is there, and then you're like, oh wow, this character is actually comedic. There is a comedic side to him. No more, Mister Nice Guys. No more, Mister Nice Guys. Oh my god, I love yes. that that line just kills me every time I hear it. Yeah, Every I would time love I to know it. if that was actually if that was an improv or if that was in the script. I would love that to know. that or or Baltar walking through the halls of the Galactica holding a coffee tumbler are, are just two of the best things about that. Game. You and the coffee tumbler, like you have a thing with that. It's coffee the tumbler. future. It's space. Don't they have something better? You know, I mean, come what on. Do you, I mean, it's realistic. Like this is in Star Trek. He At least Picard over, you know. had a teacup for his oh gray hot. <laughs> well, yeah, and he had a saucer too, but. That's not that's not Galactica. Like you're lucky you have a mug. Ah, oh, jeez. The Ty hasn't already used for his liquor. Anyway, so give me give me another one of yours since you're you're counting down. Mine are mine are in no particular order. I'm yeah. a total slacker. You you actually have an order. So, so n- number four, number four number two. for me is uh, what will seem kind of like a, a small moment, but I I feel like this is I'm going to use the word linchpin and trigger a lot probably tonight, but. Mm-hmm. Th- this to me was was the turning point. This is where if if you, if this show or this first half of the season was a set of dominoes, here's where the first domino causes the chain reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is when uh, Anders goes out into uh, into combat. 
uh, as a Viper pilot. He's out um, engaging with uh, the Raiders, and he's about to, you know, kind of engage for the first time. Can't get his guns to fire. The Raider flips around. He's got him dead to rights, and the Raider scans him. And at the moment of scanning, he just the Raider flips and just takes off. Doesn't shoot mm-hmm. him. Doesn't do anything. And Anders knows what he is at this point. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of crapping his pants because <laughs> he's like, "Oh, <laughs> mm. you know what? What? What just happened here? <laughs> They're supposed to shoot me, and they didn't. They know that I know that they know that I know." <laughs> But but it, it, it really is the domino that causes this cascade of events that leads to the fracturing of the Cylons. Mm-hmm. Um, because now when the Raiders all return and, and the fleet knows they, they were they were probably gonna be done for at that point. Um so the the, the Cylons retreating was basically like, What the heck just happened? They, they they really could not make heads or tails of it. Yeah. And when they return, this is where the fracture begins between the Cylon models because Cavill and in you know the I, I don't know have all the the model names memorized but you know of of Cavill yeah, and the have, ones that support him, Doral and I forget the oh other guy's gosh, name I can't remember the doctor, shoot. But they they Anyways. they want to lobotomize the the Raiders like Cavill mm-hmm. he 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 is on a warpath of not pursuing this final five thing, and we 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 later learn in the second half why that is, yeah, because of course. There's more in play, but it's very interesting because this is the first time we see, you know, him trying to manipulate a situation and and try to, you know, avoid something. There, there's some truth that go that exists on that path that he dis- clearly does not want them to go down. Yeah. And um, and so it's it's just it, to me, this was a very key moment, you know, that, that really sets everything in motion for what we see happening from that point on and there's there's a lot significant that happens from that point on um you know we we end up i mean one one of the big things um because i don't think this is in your list so i'm not spoiling anything but you know one of the biggest things that happens is is the 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 destruction of the resurrection hub Mm -hmm. um which now makes the cylons mortal they no longer have the ability to just reconstitute themselves and so you know all of that starts here with him being out with Anders being out in, you know, the, the, the field of war and getting scanned and triggering this reaction by the Raiders and those models. And it just leads to this to, to the sequence of events that that dictates now a very different path than what the fleet and the silence started out on in season one. Exactly. Yeah. So I and by the way, uh, number four is Simon. Simon. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Played by Rick Worthy, in mm-hmm. case you were wondering. So yeah, that and, and yeah, totally. The, that was that is one of those small moments, and and Battlestar is filled with these. Like I was, we were talking about this beforehand, and there there's so many of these in every episode that I had to I had to make give myself some guidelines of when I was going to take notes for mm-hmm. my fa- for like my top moments because everything could be a top moment because everything is 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 very important to something else that's happening or going to happen or has happened. It's so layered, yeah. That, yeah. But th- but this really is. You're right. This is this is the first domino to really fall mm-hmm. towards Cylon Civil War and 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 what how this is going to end up playing out, and even to the point of, you know, of of some of the interactions between between Starbuck and Anders and everything else, talking about the hybrid, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Now what happens in the second half of season four? 
kind of funny that Anders and Kara are talking about hybrids, right. don't you think? Um, so yeah, there's all these little things that you can you can grab out of. Oh, so good, mm-hmm. so good. Very anywho. Good. Uh, so the next one for me, uh, and this is kind of it's it's one moment, but it's also kind of the 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 culmination of an arc that to me was one of the most bizarre relationships ever. I'm feeling pretty good about saying ever because there's a lot of circumstances here that I don't think occur in, a, in your normal everyday story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Adama and Terrell in Joe's bar talking about Callie mm. and where uh, there was a couple, there was one specific moment that I thought was fantastic where, where Tyrrell is talking to Adama and all of a sudden you know it's something that, Adam, that Tyrrell hears that Adama doesn't actually say, but Edward James almost does it so seamlessly, just like shifting his entire tone. Yeah. And saying something really cutting about Callie, like that he would never actually say. Yep. And Tyrrell does that double take, like what? And they did it. I mean, it was and it was just shifting from one mode right into another. I'm like, oh, that was so such a great acting moment. And but overall, just that moment when when Tyrrell is going off on Callie and how he was, you know, this idea of like we all we none of us ended up with who we wanted. We took the best of what was left and all this. And he's being so like just spiteful and hateful and and just (coughs) ugly. And took this character to such a place where I'm like, wow, I forgot how nasty this scene was. Yeah. And ends up getting himself busted down to, like, from chief down to, like... Specialist. Deck swabber, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah. This close to cleaning toilets with a toothbrush. Yeah. And just the, just the way that whole thing plays out, and you really understand, like, there's, there's these certain parts of Tyrrell that are... are you know, he just swings from extremes, and, and this this whole Cali Tyrrell relationship is so freaking bizarre when mm-hmm. you really get down to it. Yeah, because Cali knew about about uh, him and Boomer uh, sneaking into the 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 parts locker and having their little tryst in the miniseries. Like that was one of the things. Like they would like her exchange to another like deckhand. Like I hey, hey, guess what they're gonna go do, and and then. She's the one that shoots Boomer. Yep. So she's the one who shoots his ex-lover. She's the one who gets beaten up by Tyrrell in a fit of rage when he's, like, freaking out. Then they end up getting married and having a kid. I mean, it's like... it's, And then they're having problems, of course, because, I mean, well, he's a Cylon, you know, she's a Pisces. I mean, it's never going to work. Uh, a toaster and like an air sign it just doesn't work yeah um yeah. but it's this weird relationship that always was just bizarre yes and this whole thing kind of culminating of him losing it and not knowing how to handle it all yeah and and i i mean some of that definitely coming from a place of pain i think yep of 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 not of just totally not understanding who he is or what's ha- what's been happening yeah uh, but to me that that moment was Again, it just reminds you of the the loss and the trauma mm-hmm. that all of these people have gone through, all of them, and how like your dreams have gone from, hey, I want to do this and I want to do this to like I'd like to live to see tomorrow. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I'd like to, I'd like to not get killed by a by a machine. That would be awesome. And I think that's it, that's kind of this recalibration of dreams and 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 hopes that everyone has gone through. And Tyrrell has, 
I'm going to say maybe not dealt with it as well as other people uh, or is just a little bit more vocal about it. Yeah, and, and I think that's the, the, you know, now that you said that, I think that's a theme, you know, I kind of missed in the general thoughts section of this is is there is throughout this first half of the season a struggle of all four, you know, to, to varying degrees. You know, Tori, Anders, Tyrell, and, and Cy all struggle with accepting who they are. You mean Saul? Did I say Ty? No, you said Cy. Did I say Cy? Oh, my gosh. You, you managed to combine the two. That was interesting. Cy! Um, <laughs> hello. No, I... I have, you, have yourself another snaggle tooth. Excuse me for a moment. You'll be, Hold on. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Ah, there it is. All right. Tori, Tyrell, Saul, Ty, and Anders. There uh, you go. Varying degrees of Sleepy, doc, dopey. <laughs> Nazi, Mo, Larry, Curly, Joe, Chip, Dale, Mary, um, <laughs> Blitzen, Honor, <laughs> Rudolph. Sure. Oh just, my gosh. Why not? Why? <laughs> just throw them all out there. Tatalia and the other heads oh, of the God. five families. We're so glad that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Ladies and way gentlemen, off the rails. Week ten. Week cheers. Week ten of lockdown. Where my original point was, there oh, you, there is good. a theme yes. in the first half of the season where each of them, in a different way, is struggling with acceptance, mm, yeah. and some more than others. You know, Tori. I think we'll get into her. She's one of my characters from from the season with the way you know she kind of eases into it. Um, Tyrrell, as you were saying, though he he really struggles with it. He has a very mm. very very you know deep struggle with this and. Um, and it you know it affects his marriage. It affects, um, like you were saying in this in this moment here, he and Adama, you know, he just loses all control because he just doesn't care. You know, he 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 despises himself, and and I think a lot of the vitriol he spews about Callie, I think, is him just, you know, he he's just in his own way kind of you know, spitting out the hatred I think he has for the fact that he has found out that he is what he is. Yeah. And and taking it out on her. Yeah, so, out on her memory. Yeah, which, out out on her memory, exactly. Yeah. Which is a is a horrible thing, but at the same time, I mean, who's being rational at this point, really? Yeah. I mean, rationality is an awful short supply. It's it's almost like rationality has been rationed. Dun 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 dun. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what's your next one? Uh, my next one, kind of building. So, so my my number four was from He That Believeth Me. So, still kind of in episode one territory. Um, my number three, uh, again, bridges from episode two into episode three. So, six of one, and then into the tie that binds, and that is the Centurion slaughter and the start of the Cylon Civil War. So, mm. um, at the you know in six of one, as they're talking, as the Cylon models are debating. Uh, lobotomizing the Raiders uh, concerning the final five. Um, basically, they're at kind of a standoff in Cavill. You know, I, I, I think there's kind of an idea that Cavill has the upper hand. And Six decides to uh, basically, um, I forget precisely what it is that she does, but essentially restores free will to the Centurions because we come to find out the Centurions have, in essence, had their free will removed Um through some sort of blocking mechanism in, in their neural net. Yeah. And so they remove that. Higher functions, I believe, is how they put it. Yeah, and so she removes that. And they come to understand that there is the final five. And so they are on the side of, of you know, six and eight. And um, what's the other one? I'm forgetting. 
Oh my god. You know the the we'll just the, the third model, whatever that one is. Oh, uh no 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 no, no. Yeah, two. Two. Thank you. Thank you. Leoben. Leoben, thank you. It it's, it's it gets tough when when I'm trying to think of the number yes. and the character name. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't remember either, so you're better than I. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason why this show is called Free Range Idiocy. Uh, so the Centurions end up slaughtering the the the, the models, the Cavill, Simon, and uh, Doral models um, mm. on the ship. So now the ship becomes controlled by the ones who are for pursuing the final five and, and understanding who they are. Um, that leads into the tie that binds, which is when the Cylon Civil War starts in 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 earnest and here we have Cavill pulling a fast one where he seems like he's going to you know agree to their demands that he is going to not lobotomize the Raiders and they will start pursuing understanding who the final five are and so on and basically leads uh the 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 rebellious uh models into a trap um Mm. where where they're basically uh attacked by his base stars and um, and so we, we find them in, in not so great shape at the end of that episode. And to me, this was a key moment because we, we had never really seen them oppose each other in this way. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, that to see, you know, six take the action of, of actually having the centurion slaughter their own, you know, in, in, in some small way to reinforce, you know, from their perspective, they were doing the morally right thing. They did not want to damage the raiders and, and remove um, and, and it's interesting, you know, when we first were introduced to the Cylons, they were all about kind of exercising their free will and and, and living, you know, on, you know, nuked Caprica to kind of build their own society and, and be able to live in their own way. And we come to find out that, you know, the Centurions have been reduced down, that they don't have free will, that, you know, Cavill's first knee jerk reaction is, is to, to basically remove you know, the, the, the thought processing power of, of the Raiders, you know, it's just this dumbing down of, of, mm-hmm. of these, these creatures because they don't want them to pursue something. And it just, it just hints at the fact that there's something more nefarious going on with the Cylons and has been going on for some time. Which raises the question, does that, at that point, is Cavill now worse than the humans that he's trying to eradicate? Because, I mean, the, the humans built the Cylons to, to function, you know, and, and to do labor and to do those things, and, and they evolved. But he, he, these creatures, you know, he's actually going the other direction. Like, they're at this point, and now he wants to take away yes. from them. Yeah. I yep. mean, which, which one's worse? Mm-hmm. It starts getting real messy. Real messy up on the base star. Well, and, and, and in, yeah, in both, I think in both scenarios you just, you just outlined, it's, it's control. Mm-hmm. You know, humans wanted to keep the Cylons as servants, controlled in a certain manner and doing things a certain way. And Cavill, you know, will and, and Simon and Doral will find out are, are exercising control in their own way. Um, yep. I, I don't remember. I don't think Simon and Doral know what Cavill knows. But because Ca- Cavill seems to be the gatekeeper of all the knowledge. Yeah. We, we end yeah, up finding I, I out in right. the second half. But yes. So. That's my number three. So what's your number number three? This one is actually a, it's a little moment, but it was funny to me. Uh, when when Ty and Adama are having their, their fist fight, <laughs> and Ty, I mean, Adama throws Ty over the couch or something, over his like coffee table, and, and Ty takes out the, the model ship that Adama has been working on <laughs> since like the day before forever. 
And and as yes. Ty is there, they hit that old man like in a fight point where they're just like, all right, we're both really tired right now, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to stop fighting because we're both broken and tired and old. And and Adama does that. You know how many times I've had to repair this thing? As he's looking, as he's like picking up the ship, and it's all all the masts are busted. Yes, which I thought was a very nice way of, of a little tip of the hat to the fans who are probably like, all right, how many times are you going to fix this freaking ship? <laughs> how many times? <laughs> because he'd already wrecked it once after after Starbuck's after death. Starbuck had died, yep. and then he fixes it again. And before that, it was something else that happened, and all of these things. It's like, how many times are they going to do this? And to kind of do that you I'm, I'm guessing edward james almost was like you know what i know i know what we can do let me wreck the ship and then i'll put this line in or, or some writer is like yeah you know we have to address this we have to mm-hmm. in good conscience i can't continue to write scenes where where we come in and adam is fixing the ship again and just in his little zen state yeah yeah uh i thought that was hilarious it was just a nice little tip of the hat to like hardcore fans who are like really he's He's working on the ship again. Oh, <laughs> Where does he find the time? Jeez. Are they going to find Earth? Is it a different ship at least? Nope, it's the same ship. Okay. You know, I, I don't remember the episode it was in, and I'm trying to think. Maybe this was some – I don't think this was from Razor. I think it was one of the episodes in the first half of the season, but there's some point – oh, I, I think it was when um, – I think it was in the Romo Lampkin episode. Mm-hmm. And – which I forget the name of, but he comes in to talk to Adama and hands him some some forms to fill out. And I I don't know, but I don't know why this stuff triggers in my mind when I'm watching this because I'm it's it's you know it's a sci-fi show. But I'm sitting here watching this like, wait, a minute, they've been on the run for three years. They're still signing forms to do things. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. It's I mean- like how long have they been? Like on the run, and they're still like adhering to process like this. It's incredible. Well, I mean, in a way, it kind of makes sense. I mean, because what if I remember what he, what you're talking about? Because it was a uh, he was asking him it was like notice of a forfeiture or something. Because essentially, he was commandeering the ships mm-hmm. and was going to to basically take control of them. So they the captains were like, "Hey, we don't want you to be held responsible." I think it's just trying to demonstrate that in those in those years. Okay, we have lawyers now. We have stuff like okay for the first little while, like hey, everybody's fine. But now we have kind of an economy and we have a, a legal system, even though it's jacked up and all these things. And there are there are these things. Yeah. But, but yeah, it is kind of funny when you think about it. Like really, that's what we're worried about right now. Like we could get wiped out. Yeah. Like, or, tomorrow. Or or at this stage where they've been on the run in space for a long time, it's like at some point don't you run out of paper i mean it's not like there's trees you're chopping down and make more you know well so. i mean there's recycling and, and all those yeah, things but could be. i think it's i think it's just a you you look around at look around at our at our world mm-hmm. like uh, humans are amazingly adaptable to any situation for good or bad yeah like we can normalize any kind of situation after a certain period of time and people will just be like go back to their regular behavior. It's just on a different scale or in a different direction. And it's very weird, but I guess maybe maybe it's because I'm just not very optimistic about human <laughs> about human beings. And that's why I like shows where like robots are trying to kill us. I don't know. Some <laughs> sort of deep human self loathing that I have that I look at that and I'm like, oh that's totally how it would work because, you know, we 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 are petty. In, in in many ways, mm-hmm. unfortunately, by human nature, and we have to work to overcome that. 
anyways. Yes. Uh, so what's your uh, what's your next uh, top moment, sir? Uh, my number two moment comes from the episode Faith, the Starbuck hybrid interaction, and mm. thus which does she sayeth? Thus shall it come to pass, the dying leader will know the truth of the opera house. Hmm, wonder who she's talking about. Mm. The missing three will give you the five who have come from the home of the 13th. You are the harbinger of death car, Thrace. You will lead them all to their end. And oh. End of line. <laughs> and, and and up until like the whole, and you, Kara Thrace, are the harbinger of death, everyone's like, all right, this is kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and it's like, oh, damn. This, this, this sounds like a math problem from elementary school. You know, the missing three yeah. will give you the five who have come from the, from the home of the 13th. It's like, wait a minute, where am I? Who's on first? Um, yeah. Oh, it's it's yeah, and it, it, yeah, it's it gets a little complex there, but yeah, then the idea of like, it really does put into doubt like what what who is Starbuck? Yeah, yeah. Who is? And I think it was, um, I had it noted down here. I've got to look at. Hang on, I got to look at my chicken scratch. Mm-hmm. But uh, so episode five, nothing. Uh, I don't even know what episode five was. I don't have it right in front of me here. But that's kind of the first time that we get the, like the angel of light. That's when Leoben is talking about Carathrace and like I see you as you know this angel blazing with a light of God, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know all the Leoben stuff that he says. That's kind of the first time that you hear this angel of light, which then ends up being, I think that's kind of how people have described Starbuck at the end of the series. Yeah, that you know that's who this who she was and all that. But it really is. It, it there was a there's a lot of like okay, who is she? What is she? What's going on? And all of that and. Oh man, to be like, oh yeah. By the way, you'll lead them to their end. Like, ah! right, right. <laughs> okay. Well, and and you know, all of them are hearing this. I mean, the the Cylons are there. You know, th- this is when you know they've they've boarded, um, you know, the the the, the base ship and are uh, trying to work through this very tense, you know, kind of a al- uh, you know alliance, so so to speak, which has its own twist and turns. I mean, there's mm. there, there there's that whole issue where um one of the sixes kills one of the crew members and oh, and she yeah. dies in such a weird way like, you know, she basically bangs her head on the ship and she's just she starts to talk and then she just falls over. <laughs> it's just it yeah. was so disturbing watching that. And then Oh yeah. And then Anders is ready to shoot her and then and you know, and and I, I I think, and sorry, I'm kind of going off topic a little bit, but I think what's really interesting in that moment is you start to understand that the trauma cuts both ways. Oh yeah. That the 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 six oh, that yeah. d- that did this did it because she remembers dying in a particular way back on Caprica at the hands of this mm-hmm. human, and there is just something it's something she cannot get past. And you 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 think about the way she describes that, and it's exactly what our you know, the ragtag fleet is going through, you know, that they've mm-hmm. all lost in, in a very similar way. And so you start to see that these two groups are more in common than they realize, you know, and, and yeah. that they're good, that they're both suffering from the same trauma. Yeah. And, and the, the, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great hybrid scenes or scenes centering around the hybrid. And, and another moment that it, it's, it's, uh, there are these moments where you get a good, a quick little chuckle, and it lets lets the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Like when when they go back to the base star, and and Rosalind is there, and she wants some answers. She's like, "Plug it in," and 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 Baltar does the whole, "Let God's will be done," and she's like, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> like in that moment, that I was fantastic. like, "All right, 
that was kind of funny. Like Baltar is trying to play it one way, and Rosalind's just like, "I ain't having this. I'm, I'm, I could die any second now. Just let's get the show rolling." Yeah. And that was like the one time when the gruffness of her character is like, "That's something I'd expect out of like Coddle." Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right. With with with, like with a butt hanging out of his mouth, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. That's all. That's all Mary McDonald was missing there was like just a <laughs> cigarette hanging out of the corner of her mouth. Like, Shut up. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that would have actually oh. that would have been. That would have been awesome. Can someone just CGI that in there That's right. for for a YouTube video? Someone who's much better at stuff than I am. But yeah, that that was the Starbuck hybrid interaction was was so good again because it, it it's a pivot point mm-hmm. for where you're heading and it reinforces and it calls back to Razor at the end when uh, when Kendra is talking to the hybrid. Yes, and tells Kendra like she is the harbinger of death and she tries to call back and you know that doesn't work out well. Right. So it it it's a nice little callback, but also a reinforcement. And now, Starbuck knows that. It, yeah, and, and and it starts to bring into focus a bit what Rosalind has been dreaming about, you know, and 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 that this opera house dream that she you know that she's having, where she's interacting with, um, with Boomer and with um, Six, um, or Athena. And now I she's mean. seen and she's seen Baltar. Yes, and and sees there. Baltar there. And so it's 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 starting to, you know, again, th- this is where it gets a little funky, a little more kind of miraculous spiritual nature sort of stuff going on where they mm-hmm. they can't, you know, a simple explanation is not going to cover it. You know, it just it, it, there is no easy explanation for why this is happening. So there's something greater afoot going on with this and you know, and here she is exposed to it. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's your next one, my friend? Uh, another comic relief uh, because you took all the good ones, but that's fine because I was negligent in even getting my butt into gear. I w- I just finished watching the last episode today, so you, as usual, Slacker. you've done your homework, and I was cramming for the f- for the test at the last second, so I totally understand. Hey, it's kind of like but college I- days, baby. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. And, I, you know, just, you know, actually, let's just pause for a moment. Uh, so, kids, come a little closer. Come oh, a little here closer we here. go. <laughs> this Uncle Todd moment was brought to you by. <laughs> go, come here. Let Uncle Todd learn you a little something here. Learn how to study. Okay? Like, if you're in high school and you're getting decent grades and you, you think you're going to go to college and pull the same crap you did in high school, let Uncle Todd assure you it ain't gonna work. Uh-uh. You take you take that junk to college, and it's gonna be the equivalent of thinking that oh, I was a star linebacker in in high school. I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna be a star linebacker there. No, you aren't. You're gonna get your jock handed to you. You're gonna have missing teeth. You're gonna have teeth coming out of orifices that you didn't realize that they could travel that way. That's just how life works. Big fish, small pond. All of a sudden, you head downstream. And oh, I'm a minnow. I'm a guppy. Learn how to study, folks. It's like you learn how to study. It's it's, kids. it's it's like you're the deck chief Tara who just got busted down to specialist. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I didn't. I went through five and a half years of college, and and God bless my mom. She was nice enough to say, "Well, there's a lot of people who take that long." I'm like, "Yeah, they're usually they have num- they have letters after their name. I don't." So, it, it, but it took me until the last year I was in college to really learn how to learn. Uh-huh. Kids, let Uncle Todd tell you, do it sooner. Get ahead and of that. And you'll get a 
you'll get a lot more out of college. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. I enjoyed college thoroughly. Mm-hmm. I just wish I had learned how to learn so that I would actually remember useful information from college aside from how to tap a keg. Actually, you know what? I don't. I didn't even learn how to tap a keg in college. I learned how to tap a keg after college. This Uncle Todd moment was brought to you by... Geritol. Geritol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what, what was your moment, my friend, of, of levity uh, of comedy? Well, so uh, in, in, the, in the episode The Hub, Baltar talking with the Centurion. Ah, yes. Just those inner cuts that they would keep coming back to Baltar, and he's like, you know, you do know about you know, the Cylon God, right? <sighs> and it's, it's this total <laughs> thing where he's just like, I could, I could have watched an entire show about Baltar just BSing with a centurion. Yes. And and the fact and then then when they get to the point where uh hang on one second, I gotta look this up. And uh so <laughs> Oh, I I didn't even write down exactly what he said. So but he's he's talking to him and then all of a sudden, you know, the the the, the centurion cocks its head like a golden retriever that just heard the noise like <coughs> you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and does it <laughs> It was just Awesome! Yeah. It was a, it was just such a pressure relief, and it was so like in character for Baltar because mm-hmm. that's what Baltar does. He just he is a walking, talking BS machine, and can just like shuck and jive with you, like <laughs> oh yeah, hey, let me. <laughs> it was just great. It takes you back to like a mini series, like season one Baltar, where he can just like he just is pulling stuff out of his butt, and people are buying him because buying because they're like oh he's he's the smartest man in the fleet. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. I just thought that was fantastic. Oh, that, it was that, just a that, great. It was just, and it was just so so. I don't mean to say it was odd, but it just felt so. It felt odd given what was going on. There's like this really tense, you know, yeah. s, you know, negotiations and and this this very fragile alliance being formed, and you know, here he is walking the halls of the base ship, like, oh hey, I'm gonna chat you up about the uh, the Cylon God. Have you heard of him lately? <laughs> Yes, yeah. it's just like so out of out of like the 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 realm of what they're dealing with. It's so weird. Have you heard about your lord, our Lord and Savior, the Toast Oven? Have you <laughs> here? Let me. Oh my! Would you gosh. like to buy a watchtower? Uh, no. I, <laughs> actually, be more like. Would you like to buy a parts catalog? That would be more in line with. Yep. With that, anyways. But that great, was just great. That was great one moment. Of my, great moment. So I believe this puts you at our at your number one moment. My number one moment and. You and I have talked a lot about this offline, you know, mm. o- outside of the realm of, of, of this fine show. I am, you know, it, it is hard for me to think of another show that could possibly gut punch you the way that this one did. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, seriously, I, I've, I really struggle to think of another show that pulled off the sort of gut punch they do in Revelations. But, uh, mm. and I'm not even going oh, to give want a spoilerific warning because let's face it, folks, if you're listening to us this far, you, we've spoiled a whole lot more than that. But this, this was, this was like Leon let oh, dangling the football behind geez. him. It was like, it just, just uh, premature celebration galore. <laughs> oh my goodness. Long story short in this episode, <laughs> long story is in three and a half seasons ago, three and a half seasons ago. No, <laughs> Four score and seven. Basically, uh, events play out where the Cylons and, and humans come to an understanding and alliance where they are able, they, they understand that they have all the keys to finding their way to Earth and decide mm-hmm. to form an alliance to accomplish that, to, you know, to, to that end. Yeah. They get there, uh, you know, uh, Starbucks Viper has some sort of 
weird radio signal that only it's picking up and and they're able to follow that they they get to the planet there's a huge celebration on galactica oh adama makes like one of the great one of those great adama speeches oh it it is glorious it is glorious and like uh, the, the vaguely irish music i think is playing and swelling in the background now boom it's like, oh, this is it. I think this is it. D- doesn't Lee like jump up on one of the the the, the, oh. the CIC tables and start stripping he, or something? <laughs> he just, had everything but the Dennis Johnson towel, like twirling around. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he, he's like the acting president at this point too, isn't he? <laughs> um, no, because uh, Rosalind's back at that point, so she is the president. Oh, okay, but, I mean, okay. So he he is not he is not besmirching the good of the office. No, he's with, with his. He's very much the Dan Quayle though at that point. <laughs> So, yeah, so there's all this revelry, um, and, and I remember the very first time I saw this, you know, I, I, you, know you don't know what's coming next, and, and you're mm-hmm. like, you, you know there's a whole half season left, and we're like, well, well if they found Earth, what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, sure enough, and, and I love how they cut over this. They, they show the ships flying in, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of fades, and all you see is sand, and you see Adama's hands scoop it up. The first... Fistful of earth, mm-hmm. as Rosalind has said. She can't wait for this moment. And then you hear the crackling. Yeah. You hear the crackling of the, the Geiger scanners, counter. The Geiger counter. And you come to understand, and, and you can just, I, I mean, I love how Edward James almost plays this. He just throws the sand down in, in just utter disgust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they pan back, and nothing is said from this point on. It is just all visual. And you just see them melancholy not melancholy that's not even a word but but just just the melancholy of of the scene of all the characters downtrodden downtrodden depressed as you see that this is not the earth that they were expecting to find that it is an earth um you know the 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 damnedest shot is when they actually you know pan over from the ocean and you start to see the shoreline and you start to see the crumbled buildings yeah, and, you, and they just reveal more and more yes. of that. Like every character that comes in, you start seeing more wreckage, more more rubble. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you come to understand that wherever they ended up, this this Earth is basically trashed. It is it is not a place that they are going to be able to settle in. And so mm-hmm. you're just like, holy moly! So where does that leave? And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. So now you're staring yeah. down the barrel of the half season. Like, what are they going to do now? I mean, what 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 comes next at this point? Yeah. Well, and this was another episode. This was another series that it aired in two parts. Series three didn't really have a mid-season break as the other, the first two seasons had, yeah. if I'm remembering right. This one did. So April to June, two thousand eight was the beginning of the season, and then you had to wait from June until January oh. <laughs> to finish this. Oh. I mean. Oh, the humanity. Yeah. Oh, the humanity. Yeah. I mean that was that was one hell of a way to get people like now what? Oh my gosh! It, it, it was it, awful. It, it, it you, you just you finish watching that show like oh I just I feel awful. Mm. <laughs> you, you just and and you had to digest it for a little bit. It just it really just kind of smacked you across the face. Oh yeah, it's like watching the first episode of Chernobyl, except yeah. it took you it took you three and a half seasons to get to that point. Yep. Yeah, that was rough. And before that the show, uh, Todd and I were both discussing one one of the. I mean, if if there could be, I, I don't know if it's a comedic moment. I I kind of 
thought it was very in character for this to be the case. But as as they're panning through the characters, we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. It comes to to Tyrrell. Yeah. And Tyrrell oh. just has this. I mean, all of them just look forlorn, sad, depressed. Just like they, they understand that they are not settling in this place at all, and and they're bewildered. I mean, Deanna's probably the only other one that has an expression, and she just looks confused. Well, yeah, because yeah. she's like she reaches out and it tries to like like she tries to like take uh, Anders' arm or or touch his elbow or something. He's had nothing of it. He kind of walks away from her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then there's Tiro who just has this smile on his face, just shaking his head, almost like same frack, different day. <laughs> just <laughs> like he's just he's just like uh, whatever. Yeah, of course this is going to happen. Of course this is how it's going to happen. You yeah. know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So. It, it it is just the the gut punch to end all gut. Punches. But I really didn't notice that until this viewing. I had never really paid ma- that much attention to it before. Yep. But this viewing, I caught that and I was like, Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I oh I yeah. That totally makes sense. And and, and they're all on the same page. I mean, in, in that moment, the Cylons and humans are all on the same page. Mm. They they are all mm-hmm. equally hit with this reality. Yeah, Deanna um, looks like she's lost. She, like she doesn't know absolutely. what's going on. Yeah, Deanna's lost. I came lost, back from the know. dead for this. Tyrell's like, yeah, whatever. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more of the same. Can't catch Starbucks a break. Like, of course, this is how it's going to go. Yeah, and that brings us to now. This isn't really a gut punch, but I would say in terms of how this was acted. Oh, oh yeah. sweet Moses! So please, sir, yeah. what what is your final moment? So. Of course, in in Revelations, you know, Deanna has come back and and she wants everybody, you know, she wants the final five or the final four to 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 be with them, and so she's holding the humans hostage. Now she's like she kicked one out an airlock because she's decided to change. Because I mean, Deanna's a loose cannon at this point, and so Ty, God bless him. I mean, he 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 understands exactly what he's doing. And he understands that that he is a bargaining chip that can be used uh, because no one knows that he's a Cylon. And so he goes and he goes to Adama and he confesses that he is one of the final five and that he's known it and that he he is straightforward with it. And he he even says he wish he'd he'd had the guts to airlock himself. Yeah. And and then Adama's reaction to it, just seeing the man fall apart. Oh, yeah. Like. How you would imagine, like, someone dealing with, like, this immediate trauma. Like, you hear of people just this wail coming out of them. And that's what, that's how, you know, Edward James almost plays this. Mm-hmm. Just this wail. And this it just it goes from, like, rage and just sorrow and just, oh, my gosh, it's heartbreaking. And he becomes completely incapacitated. Yeah. Like, he is not able to do anything. The scene and, when Lee oh, yeah. is picking him up off the ground and, and l- like you just said, there, there's and just... can't. He can't. Like, he's he's literally just holding him, yeah. like, on the floor of the bathroom. Yeah. And, I mean, he's, oh he's like, gosh. drooling. He's just, I mean, he's wailing. He's, he's just, he's broken. He's just absolutely broken. Yeah. And that was, like, because that's the one thing that he's always had is Saul yes. by his side. Yep. And you, you really understand just how much he loves this guy just how close they are and how how close of a friend he considers him mm-hmm. and then to have that kind of betrayal yeah yeah oh man it's it's heartbreaking like it just breaks him right down 
to like his core. Yeah, and and you see it on Ty's face when he tells him. I mean, he he means oh. every word he's saying about wanting to just off himself because he would rather do that than have Adama have to live with the knowledge of what he is. Yeah, and that's why even in the in the launch tube, like you, he has no emotion, no emotion. Even when they bring in Anders and Tyrrell, and I forget it, I think it was Anders who's like, uh, I'm just going to take a guess here, but uh, you told him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, all right, that was kind of funny. But then, then you know, he's he doesn't have any emotion. Yeah. He doesn't have any emotion. He's like, this is how it's going to go. And even when they have him in the tube and, and Apollo is there and he's going to, he's just going to airlock him. He's going to send him out the launch tube and he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and Saul, you can kind of see him just like kind of shaking a little, but... I don't get it. I don't get that it's out of fear. It's almost out of, like out of this like, just get it over with. And he turns yeah. to Apollo. He's like, "Just what are you waiting for?" You know, sort of thing. And oh my gosh, yeah, that the way that whole thing plays out, and even the aftermath of it, of Rosalind having to come in, and kind of talk to him. Yeah. And he's just in a bathrobe and still kind of broken. And the only thing that kind of gets him going is like, "All right, we're going to Earth," and then. <clears throat> tying into what you talk about like he just throwing that dirt down in disgust like it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter like i've gone through hell and back and now i feel like i've just bought the slow boat ticket back to hell right like at least the other one was the express i got there quick now it feels like it's just going to take forever to get to hell because now what oh my gosh but edward james almost good lord yeah i mean number one and we've said it before in, in a bunch of these episodes. This cast, amazing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. But if you take Edward James almost out of this cast, I submit to you, I don't know who you replace him with where this works out as well. Right. He was perfect for this role. And it's not someone, it's not someone who you might have thought before who would be, oh, yes, of course, he's going to be Lauren Green, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I don't know if you – I think you could replace any of the other actors, and it would – I probably wouldn't like it because I just love this show. That's the one point of failure that I could see. Like, yeah. I don't know if you can replace him. Well, it's the same thing with Next Generation and Patrick Stewart. I mean, you, you can't have that show be good without Picard. True, true. And this is actually leads into, you know, what we were talking about beforehand is, you know, Picard versus Adama. And <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> We'll we'll have to do an entire episode on that because, quite honestly, yeah. I I would be very interested to, to dive into that one. All right, so we've gone through our, our top moments. Uh, let's get into top characters. Can, so, can, sir, can I throw a couple, just just two no. special mentions? And, and I, no. I won't go deep on them. I just want to mention them. No. What? No. No. Okay, fine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> First one, I think you would agree from the hub, uh, Baltar's drug-induced confession Yes. To Rosalind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, 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 and then Rosalind, like, that. like almost making the decision, like, I'm going to let this mofo bleed out. <laughs> the, oh, my gosh. Yes. So cold. Shh. And then she and then she goes over and turns away from him and kneels to pray. Yes. Yeah. She like, she oh. did what anyone, I think, in her position would would have done. I mean, to, to just to hear him admit what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, which confirmed everything she thought about him and the horror on her face was just just so well acted. But like I said, I don't want to go deep on these. The, the, the just yeah. special mentions. Um, yep. The the other one is, is Callie's death. Oh, um, that that was another yeah. gut. Pu- I, I mean, you know, not on the level of revelations, but it I did not see that coming. 
when oh. when I first watched these episodes, I mean, I, I did not read spoilers. I didn't, you know, I, I, I wanted to really experience the series without knowing anything. And it was a really wonderful way to experience it because the, the story is just is that good. And when that happened, I'm just like, holy crap, what's going on? You know, it's just yeah. like, I mean, you know, Tori doing what she did. So, so that, that to me was another key moment. I mean, we, we'll talk a little bit more about Tyrell, but, but yeah, it, so it was just a couple special mentions. Right on. All right. So now can we get to characters? Yes, please. All right. Thank you. So uh, who are your top three here? And let's just run them down for me. Run down all three. We don't need to. Yeah. So so my top three are uh, Tori, uh, Felix, Gaeta, and uh, basically the the transition and relationship of Adama and Rosalind. Um, Right on. So, yeah, those are mine. I can go into a slight detail, but please tell me what yours are. Well, just touching on yours for a second, I think I think. Your your Tori is an interesting call because she really came into her own yes. in this season, and Gaeta, I mean, has been there forever. Oh my gosh, the uh, the episode where he basically spends the entire episode in sick bay singing. Yeah, number one, lovely voice. Oh yeah. Oh my. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Like I I want the Felix I want Felix Gaeta singing his greatest hits. I want that mm-hmm. album like yesterday, but that is it. Just added such a like creepy undertone yes to that and and really just oh my gosh again another roller coaster story arc yeah for for him and and you know i I listed him because yeah he he ends up you know he he gets shot in the leg on the demetrius and and that's a whole thing we didn't really get into on our top five moments was just the whole demetrius thing that played out but but which is weird because actually and i just want to point this out because i was writing notes when i looked up and I saw the Demetrius on the screen for the first time, mm-hmm. or since I'd, I'd watched it the last time. Is it just me, or does it look like a locomotive in space? Does it look like it, yeah, it and, be like and, a transformer? And, well, th- that and the fact that everyone that's on it seems to be sweating, you know, like it's 100 degrees in the place, you know? Yeah, so. like there's no AC, apparently, on this spaceship. Like, really? No. Is this like the, the 1983 Ford Escort right. of, of spaceships? That's right. Yeah. But anyway, hey, uh, no. uh, and, and quickly jumping back to Tori, I mean, wh- the reason I kind of put her in, in the list was, you know, as we talked about, each of the f- final four of the final five embrace their nature in a different way. And she I love how you put that. The final four of the final five. That's right. <laughs> the final four, of the final five, the three gets you to the 13th hike. Um, but here and, we go. Uh, but but Tori seven come 11. To- Tori embraces her nature. It's very interesting to see her evolution throughout the season because she goes mm. from being a little unsure of herself to, to really embracing the fact she's a Cylon to oh, yeah, getting full-on just arrogant with, with Rosalind by the end of the season where she's just like, I don't have to do anything you tell me. I'm I'm one of these all-powerful beings here. You're posed, Missy. Um, yeah. You know, and, well, but on the, on the other hand, I, I kind of also understood that moment. Yeah. Because here's Rosalind, who she's seen play any number of people, and she's realizing you're trying to play me right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Ain't gonna happen. Well, but but, yeah. but it was also where they're on the base ship, and just the way she kind of just embraced that it was almost like she was home. Oh yeah, you know what totally. I mean. Like like that's what really stood yeah. out to me when she did that. It, it was the arrogance, but it was also like I'm with my people now. You don't yep. mean anything to me. I mean, it, it really was very stark the way that she kind of just shifted. Yeah, and then the other part of it was the way she just murdered Callie, the way that she just kind of, you know, in the interest of keeping their secret a secret um, of who they were, you know, taking her out was just completely not what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that you have the the four 
Cylon out of the the four of the five. Uh, so you have you have Tori who really embraces being a Cylon. Yeah. Like she finds that out, and it's almost like a relief to her. Like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. You have Ty who is on the other end of the spectrum. Oh yeah. He 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 wants nothing to do with this, and he is. I am Saul Ty. That's who I am. None of this fracking Cylon business. Yeah. Then you have Tyrrell, who is who. By the time he kind of gets to this point, he's very ambivalent about it. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Just I, I I've I'm I'm I don't. I kind of feel like he struggles with it more than Ty, though. Oh, I think he struggles more with it, but I think his overall. It's it's just this weird scent. I mean, Tyrrell is a very conflicted character, and we'll get into him with, with my yeah. with my three. But but I I feel like Anders is the one who Tyrrell and Anders are kind of like those two in between, and I think Tyrrell is oddly enough, I feel he's more towards Tori, but that's almost in a like, all right, fine, yeah, I'm a Cylon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to necessarily deal with that. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. Because I mean, isn't he the one in the in the nebula who's like, and we have been from the very start. Yep, yep. You know, so I think he's kind of more in that he's not he's not all the way to the Tory side. But then you have Anders, who's much more closer to wanting to not be Cylon. Yeah, like he's got he's got Kara, and he's trying to hold on to that aspect. And then and then the funny part being that he kind of ends up being the most Cylon of the Cylon of them all. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so, uh, Tori yeah, so, was, so Tori's was interesting in there. Gata was just losing his leg. What we'll see in the second half, how that ends up taking its toll with, with him and mm. what, what becomes of him. Um, yeah. And then all I'm going to say about my last one is, is Adama slash Rosalind going from their relationship goes from professional to personal. And I'll sum it up quite simply with this. Rosalind says, I love you. And Adama says, about time. <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah! I mean, bow, it, bow, bow, bow. <laughs> I've been really trying. Oh, oh here we go! <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Yeah, yeah. And which again, it wanted to the to the response to "I love you." There are two great sci-fi mm-hmm. responses. The first one being, "I know." Oh. The second one being the great Han Solo. It's about time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that is hallowed company, ladies and gentlemen. It, it hallowed company. Is. It completely is. And we, I need a buddy. I need a buddy movie with Harrison Ford and Eddie, Eddie almost. <laughs> I didn't realize that until right now. You know what? I, I want to see it. those two as like just kind of old guys like duffing around somewhere that's i i want that like i want grumpy old men with eddie almost and harrison ford there you go damn it well you know what once i get london weapon made then i'm all over that okay that's that's next on the list um and and just the final statement on on adama roslin i I think they they did a nice job over the course of the first half of the season of, of kind of building to that point it was clear that adama is kind of letting his guard down with her i think you know her her mortality is kind of helping him realize that that you know how he really feels about her you know i think yeah. i think and and to see the two of them interact and and you know become a lot more personal with each other than they had in the prior seasons it, it's less president and admiral and more you know just a man who just genuinely cares about this this woman who's you know who he just has great affection for and you know and you know of course she's suffering and she's dying from something but he he just i, I think it i think the fact that 
she is going to most likely die this time around is giving him greater focus in terms of, you know, realizing, you know, what, what he feels about her. So it, it was just kind of a neat, neat arc they, that they did across the, the half season with, with those two. Yeah. And I mean, in the second episode, that, that scene where she's in his quarters, cause that's where she's shacked up on Galactica mm-hmm. getting her treatment. And he comes back, I think it's from the, the Lee's retirement or whatever. And, and he's, if he ain't loaded, he's about three quarters of the way there. Yep. And and they start having that discussion, and she's mad, and he's just drunk, <laughs> <laughs> and and it and and they're going back and forth, and he and they're both just kind of really letting it fly, and it's one of those kind of things where you're like, yep, this is a couple of people who've been around the block a few times, and they're just like, you know what, life's too short. I'm saying what I feel. Yep. And wow, it gets uncomfortable. To the point where he just kind of gets up at it, like, and she had commented on him, you know, drinking too much, and he just gets up and he fills his glass and walks out of the room, almost like, yeah, I'm drunk, it's my quarters, I'll get drunk if I want to, mm-hmm. yep. And that's the end of the scene, and oh my gosh, I was like, all right, this is going to be interesting for the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. So what 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 are your three? My three uh, would be uh, Starbuck, Tyrol, and Deanna. Nice. So I mean, like anybody didn't see Starbuck being one of mine coming. I mean, for crying out loud. Uh, but but it's interesting because, and this is going to be, uh, again, this is geekdom and combining with literature. Uh, Starbuck actually gets to play Captain Ahab mm-hmm. on the Demetrius in pursuit of her white whale. Um, for those of you who don't know, Starbuck being a character in Moby Dick and Ahab and, you know, that whole thing. I have not finished Moby Dick. <laughs> I, I got about halfway through Uh Great Zeppelin well written. song. Great Zeppelin song. Yeah, but good lord, it takes a while to get into that book. I, I made the mistake of getting the abri- the unabridged version. Mm-hmm. Holy dude, hundred pages before you even get on the boat. <laughs> I am not kidding you. Hundred oh pages before you get on the boat, oh and then a hundred pages after that before you even hear like about the whale. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I you know I can appreciate taking your time, but damn, I <laughs> I don't know if I have this much time. <laughs> But anyway, so this, there's your literature tie-in for there. Oh, uh, Tyrrell, I actually think that Aaron Douglas might be my favorite actor from this this half of the season. Yes, and and that's saying something because I think that I think that Callis, I think uh, Katie Sackhoff, I think Eddie Olmos, and even um, I mean Mary McDonald certainly. There was so many great performances. Aaron Douglas though did so much with Tyrrell. That to me, just all of a sudden, it kind of summed up his character. Yeah. And it, uh, this, uh, like, he, it's such a complex emotional load from, like, this rational guy who is, who is dealing with, you know, he finds out he's a Cylon and he's kind of, kind of dealing with it okay. I mean, as well as you're going to find out, they're like, oh, by the way, you're a murder bot. Um, <laughs> and, he, you know, then he goes to rage, which has ha- always been part of Tyrrell's character. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, this this kind of like, hey, I'm the happy-go-lucky chief. I might beat you to death with a wrench, though. You know, like there is that aspect to his character. Then he gets to kind of this resolution of after Callie's dead, of like, yep, this is who I am, and that's kind of you know. And then you get to the bemused attachment of Revelation, where he's just shaking his head on the beach, like, yep, yeah, of course this is the way it's going to turn out because I'm involved, yeah. Of course, it's going to turn to crap. One of the of course it one is. One of the best interchanges, real quick, is and and this wasn't an episode that came up for either of us, but in the road less traveled, mm. um, which was episode five of that season, where 
Baltar, you know, Tyrrell happens into the the area where Baltar's, you know, sect of believers is gathered mm. for one of his, you know, sermons and he's talking and he sees Tyrrell and he he makes some statements oh, about Cali that that just sends Tyrrell just over the edge, like you said. I mean, he, he just rage is oh. just part of who he is. Yeah, and, he, and, well, and he's he justified. Challenges him. He's justified in that moment. Yeah, because Baltar Goes says a lot of stuff out. <laughs> that doesn't. He really had no business saying. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I didn't mean and, to cut and, you and off. Go ahead. No, no, but then and then that scene. Uh, what was it? The next episode where Baltar comes and visits him. No, it's no, it's it's and, the end of that one. Well, no, uh, is it the end? It's, of that it's one? at the end of that one. He comes into okay. his quarters. And and Tyrrell's laying there, and he's got the shaved head private pile from Full Metal Jacket look going on, yep. which is terrifying. Yep. And so, and he's just laying there on his bunk with a gun on his belly, like one hand behind his head, the other hand not close to the gun, but close enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and Baltar does this whole thing talking, and all of a sudden you get into this part where Baltar's actually kind of instead of shucking and jiving, he's he's actually kind of talking from the heart. Yes. And Tyrrell is uh, actually ends up taking his hand, yes. which is what Baltar is asking him to do before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this complex relationship that him and Baltar have because they were both on on Cobol and 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 Tyrrell is the one who shot uh Crashdown. Right. To right. save Baltar's life. Yeah. I mean, there is again. There's so the web is freaking dense at this point. Well, and and, and what what I liked about that that scene was like, like you said. I mean, that was a moment where Baltar is being as real as Baltar can be, and mm-hmm. and he you know he apologizes. He admits that he had no business saying those things. That you know he he's just very sincere. He you know shares with him about how you know he's made a lot of mistakes, but he's being given a second chance, and. You know, it, it was just it was neat to see, and I love the way how how both you know James Callis and Aaron Douglas played these guys because mm. you know there, there's such an earnestness to what he's saying to Tyrrell, and and Tyrrell is just listening to him, and just reaches his hand out like you know, almost as if to say that that's all I wanted. You know what I mean? Like like that's yeah. all I wanted when you were talking was just that understanding, because yeah. it's less about him preaching to Tyrrell now and more about him understanding Tyrrell and, and understanding yeah. what he's going or trying to understand what he's going through, or at least trying to empathize with it. And, and that's, that's what's just so neat about that. And, and I'm like, you know, my, my gosh, for, for, for the, for the writers to have the, the uh, insight to, to, or, or just, just the, the, the thoughtfulness to even put that into the show mm. was just such a neat, you know, neat effect of, of, of just developing those two characters. Like, like you said, we're seeing with Baltar that, you know, he can shuck and jive, but there's an element that he's starting to come into his own in terms of being more of a real person than he probably ever has been. Yeah. And, and yep. so it's, it's such a neat transformation to see kind of play out. Yeah. And then we also, uh, in this half season, we also saw Head Baltar. Yes. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Was like, oh my gosh, and and of course the fun, the funny thing is, like head Baltar is not that dissimilar to regular Baltar, so it's almost like, it's like having the angel on one shoulder and the demon on the other shoulder, yeah, and they're both saying the same thing. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's not really all that helpful keeping you on the straight and narrow. Yes, oh, uh, um, and then of course the third one being Deanna, 
where I mean, she comes back and she is a loose cannon because who knows what Deanna is going to do? Right. Because Deanna was already off the rails before and nothing's really changed. Like, it's not like she's grown in the time that she's been shut down. Right. But it also kind of further conveys like that idea of trauma, which you talked about before yeah. this, this trauma of resurrection. And that kind of goes back to Cavill of when he was shot and, and ended up, ended up having to like cut himself open on a tire or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. The wheel or something of a truck. And, and, and then also the, uh, when, uh, in the episode Faith, when Six ends up having to take out the, um, was it Natalie? I think. Yes. Or, well, it, well, it was the Six that had been killed by the the colonial. I I, I think it was Fairly, mm-hmm. who who she ended up killing in the in the Raptor, the one that you right. alluded to. Right. And oh my gosh, that idea of like this trauma carries over and it goes back to even Scar where you know that it happens with the Raiders. Yeah. Like as they are reincarnated, re- resurrected, it hurts. Right, right. And especially, you know, it, it, it just, it's something that doesn't get quite resolved. Correct. And oh my gosh, and Deanna kind of that whole thing of like, why did you bring me back? Yeah. You know, wh- like one of the first words that she says and after that, it's just, there's no holds barred. She's she's just like well, I'm going to do what I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah, and she's back to being Deanna. You know, she's playing this this bargaining yeah. game where she's like, I know who the final five are. You're going to do everything. You know, you're going to do what I want. We're going to do this. And then I I just love how Lee completely plays her. Yeah, like she knows she's hosed once he ha- he once he knows who they are and he has them in a launch tube. He's like, okay, <laughs> you want to play yeah. hardball? Here we go. <laughs> well, but even then, I mean, she is she is willing to take out the entire fleet. She's willing to. I mean, she knows that they're all on Galactica. Yeah, yeah. So she's willing to start taking out civilians, you know, because, again, that is that is where she's at. Right. She is kind of the the opposite of Cavill yeah. or, or the, the, the counterbalance of Cavill, another, another character who's willing to just, uh, okay, if the whole thing burns, then it burns. Yeah. I was already dead once. <laughs> yep. You know, what are you going to do to me now? Are you going to shut me off again? Right. All right. But I think she is, is just such an interesting character, but even – when you get to the end of Revelation and they're showing them all on the beach, she's just as distraught because oh yeah, it, it is just gut-wrenching because even her, even she had bought into, all right, this is where we're heading. This is this is the end game of this whole thing. <sighs> yeah, and, and, and the commonality for both sides was hope. Yeah. And, and this was a hope that they both had. The, the Cylons, when they first initiated the attack on the colonies, wanted to just basically populate those planets and and be a part of it and and just have their own society and they they were seeking something more and and now you know that that hope has been just ripped out from underneath them and so they're just yeah they're kind of stuck in this bewildered state of what i mean all of us your viewers yeah the crew the cylons they all just have this look on their face like what now yeah what now Mm -hmm. because this is the goal, and we've we've essentially reached it. So where do we go from here? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man! But and that was a long few months. I I remember between the end of this season and the next season, that yeah. was a long time, yep. long time. Yep. All right, so let's move on to uh, your top three episodes from this half season, sir. Yes, and these will be quick because I think we've talked about these ad nauseum. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, starting at uh, number three, uh, I have uh, the episode Faith. That's the one where we have the interaction between this is where Starbuck finally catches her whale 
and uh, so to speak, and, and has the interaction with the hybrid where she is told once again that she is the harbinger of death. You know, nice encouraging word that we all want to hear about ourselves. Um, yeah, it's it's not a resume builder. <laughs> uh, number two is the hub. Um, that was uh, in in that episode. It was it was just the leading up to um, you, you know basically the the resurrection hub being destroyed and and basically that interaction that that I talked about with Baltar and and Roslyn and just this fragile alliance that the Cylons and humans endeavor on. Um, ending, of course, with Adama, um, you know, basically, uh, basically Adama and Rosalind, you know, realizing that with the time they have, they just want to, you know, be with each other, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and be with each other as, in, in terms of uh, not professionally, but personally, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Let's which is cool. stay together. That's right. That's right. Loving you and. Anyways. But, but, no, but of course, the, 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 the big story issue here is the fact that now the Cylons are 100% mortal. They, they mm. are no longer going to have the ability to resurrect. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, that was a huge turning point for them. And in some ways now kind of brings them into line with the humans in terms of, you know, their mortality and the way they kind of view that. So just seemed like a key episode to me. And then of course we, we talked about this greatly uh, uh, revelations is just, the yeah. the cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers and uh, just just phenomenal episode. Um, you you mentioned the the, the Ty Adama interaction and just you know seeing Adama just completely break, um, but yet they get to the goal and then they just have the rug completely ripped out from underneath them. So uh, my my three would have been uh, number three. Uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Mm-hmm. Which is the the Cylon colonial team up, and uh, and then of course Faith would be number two, uh, one of yours as well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like you didn't see this one coming. At number one, He That Believeth, believeth in Me. Yes. Just because I, I really just, I like that episode, and you already took Revelations. So that was how that, was how that one got figured. Nice. And, and this is normally the time in, in a recap of this kind where we would, we would say, you know, here are some things that could be improved upon. <laughs> Nothing. Nope. This show is perfection. Nope. And... It, and and you know what? Tim will fight anyone who disagrees. I won't because I'm a pacifist, but Tim will. And by fight, he's, we mean arm wrestle. Best two out of three falls. A, oh, no, no, we don't mean that at all. <laughs> he's got a baseball bat with a railroad spike through it. He'll, he'll go Mad Max on you. I'm telling you right now. Oh. You don't know. Tim is, Tim is six foot eight, 325 pounds of solid muscle. <laughs> what, what Tim are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and another thing. All right, sir. So, what do you have this week for a recommendation for people for and another thing? Uh, well, if you are a subscriber of Disney Plus, uh, this is another of Tim's. Uh, I ask, nay, I implore you uh, to to check out a show called Disney Gallery. Uh, which is focused on Star Wars The Mandalorian. Uh, we've watched, uh, the family has watched the first two episodes. Very behind the scenes kind of show mm-hmm. uh, with uh, John Favreau and the uh, list of directors uh, who, who directed the first season of The Mandalorian. I, I got to say, I completely understand now why this season went off as well as it did. Um, mm-hmm. He yeah. assembled, what, what a group of people. Just what oh, yeah. a group of people, and 
you know, it, it really speaks to, you know, when we talked about Rise of Skywalker back at the beginning of this year and, and the lack of kind of continuity that, that, that seemed to be not there across the three movies, you can kind of see now why how, or, or how important that is. You know, Favreau is, is kind of the foundation and he's working with all these directors to coordinate. Dave Filoni is another one who, I mean, this guy is mm. kind of like keeping everyone in check. You know, he, he, he just brings Oh my gosh, the his Star little Wars monologue, dimension. like towards like two thirds of the way through that second episode where he kind of goes yes. about the entire arc from like episode one to episode six. Yes, I was going to get to that. Yes. That that is if you are a Star Wars fan, you have got to watch his explanation oh, of of connecting Star Wars Episode One all the way to. Six. It was almost enough to make me want to go back and watch Phantom Menace. Not quite enough. I was going to say I, I wanted to ask close. you if you would watch this, and if you had, does it does it change your perspective a little bit of of Phantom Menace? Yes. Uh, maybe like it's tough to quantify it. Maybe a little bit. A lot of my problems with Phantom Menace were in terms of pacing, mm-hmm. in terms of like the stuff that he was talking about is all outside of like that's the thing. Like his 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 comments and praise for Phantom Menace are gloriously outside of the actual yeah. main like plot line. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> of of the. Like, the actual, like, kind of, like, here's the thing that's happening in the movie. Everything he talked about didn't involve that thing, which is the problem of why... It's the reason why a lot of people went to that, uh, I think they called it the, mach- the, the machete order. I, used, I almost said machete because I've watched <laughs> the Danny Trejo movies that many times. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen Dan- Danny Trejo's machete, oh. Danny Trejo just turned, like, 76 or 78, and I would still not mess with that cat. He is a... <laughs> badass he is a badass he actually has a documentary coming out about him that will be in another thing for me once i actually see Mm -hmm. it but but i think it's a reason why you don't have to see this movie yeah you don't have to like everything is covered in something else Mm -hmm. however i mean it, it does give me some it does give me a little bit more respect for that final lightsaber duel and for the character of Qui Gon Jinn, I, yeah. So, so admittedly, but outside of the actual like storyline of the movie, mm-hmm. he didn't mention a damn thing about trade federations or anything like that, or any of the like all of the the time spent goggling over young Anakin and all this, where the plot didn't move but like six inches mm-hmm. for the first hour and a half of this abomination. <laughs> I was trying to think of something clever that wouldn't be a curse word, but but I, oh, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying, and I do, and I respect so much his perspective because he actually has worked on these things and he's done all that. And I'm far be it from me to say that my opinion is more valid than his. It isn't. It is not. Mm-hmm. However, it really doesn't change. It changes it a little bit. I'd be willing to go back and rewatch it. However, I know that a lot of the problems I have with that movie are. Are, are matters of pacing mm-hmm. and and matters of a weak overall story that it's like hey here's a couple high points that you take and you go on it's like dude sure. you you the, you set back the rest of the trilogy and the the second and third movies could have been better mm-hmm. but there was so much heavy lifting that had to be done in those two movies cuz you didn't do anything in the first movie I mean, to get you I mean admittedly there. his his comments are really around Qui-Gon 
in his interaction mm-hmm. with Anakin. It's around, you know, he brings up some really interesting points about Obi Wan. Yeah, I mean, oh, totally. And I get all and that. drawing yeah. that that picture or, or drawing that line from from that. I mean, he's really kind of honed in on the on the Darth Maul, Qui Gon, Obi Wan fight scene and drawing. Yeah, interesting a line that from he there. focuses on a character who's only in the movie for approximately like three and a half minutes. Yeah. And drawing drawing a line from that to episode six, and and you know, kind of better understanding why things happen the way with Anakin, the the way mm-hmm. that they did. I mean, he he clearly Dave Filoni clearly, you know, values and understands. I think the the Star Wars universe the way that I think Lucas, oh, yeah, really is trying to 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 you know communicate it to his audience, and and I think because of that, and because of the other directors and their affinity for the series. It, it really just showed me that I mean, and I'm assuming the this same group is coming back for season two. These these directors, um, I don't know. I would because I mean, I would guess that they might, but I'm I'm guessing that there probably will be some new blood. Could be, I would think. Could be, but I mean, at the same time, they they seem to have a really good formula with these guys, and it would be. Re- I I just feel like season two is in good hands. You know, I I I think I, I like the way that it's being handled. Um, I like that it isn't, you know, John Favreau trying to, you know, run the show, you mm-hmm. know, where he's doing it all. And and he says it himself. I mean, he, he wants to assemble a group of people who understand, you know, who are Star Wars fans who understand what they like about it and, and to try to bring that to life on screen. And, and they were wildly successful in doing so with season one. So I'm looking forward to season two. Um, in my closing, I'll have one more little uh, – nugget about that but but yeah just if if you have an opportunity i'm assuming there's going to be a few more episodes of this i haven't checked disney plus uh, over the last couple of days but you know if there are some if there are some more episodes do do check it out but episodes one and two are fantastic uh so disney gallery star wars the mandalorian i'm pretty sure episode three premiered over this weekend i'm not sure exactly when it? it was released okay me and the kid just watched um, I'm sorry. Me and the teen just watched episode two tonight, and it was it was really great. Yeah, it was phenomenal. However, to get back to your point, I was able to fact check this in real time, uh, as as opposed to normally when I'm just like, eh, I'll do it later. So the season two directors for the Mandalorian are actually have been released. We we actually know. So Rick Fam, I'm gonna mess. This I know who you're talking up, about. Famu Yiwa. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry in advance, Rick. I, with a, with my last name, I should do better at this. Uh, so, so Rick, John Favreau, and Dave Filoni are all coming back. Mm-hmm. However, after that, we get some new blood. So we get Robert Rodriguez, Ooh. who, who directed and wrote Machete. Machete. So <laughs> maybe we get. Oh my gosh! If we got a Danny Trejo, oh, if Danny Trejo was in, it was in Star Wars, I would just, I could die a happy man. And then after that, we got Peyton Reed, mm-hmm. who uh, directed uh, Marvel's Ant-Man movie. And then Carl Weathers is also expected to direct an Carl episode Weathers of Mandalorian Season 2. Directing a Mandalorian episode? Sounds like a damn monster movie. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. No, no. You got to do it. You own that. No, you do I, it. Please. No, no. You already beat me to no, it. I'm, no, I'm no, not no, doing no. it. No, I refuse. Oh, okay. I refuse. However, I will, I will wholeheartedly endorse and co-sign on Disney Gallery, Star Wars. It is fantastic, especially for a geek like me. And it was great because we watched, uh, my, my daughter and I watched the first episode, mm-hmm. and she was kind of like, I could tell she was humoring me. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
because I am I am the geek who watches all of the <laughs> of the DVD extra materials. I love director commentaries. There's movies I've watched the direct with the director commentary on more than I have with it off. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I, I'm that I'm that guy. I am that guy. I'm the reason why who I'm the person who buys the special edition DVDs because it has one more thing on it than normal DVD. Mm-hmm. Anyways. But watching this episode, she was actually really into it. Like, in the second episode was on legacy of Star Wars, yeah, and, she, yeah. and and it's going through. And she's starting to ask. She was asking questions, and I'm like, "Well, you know, there's actually this other thing." And this, I'm going to switch out my in another thing because this dovetails into it. If you have Disney Plus, and I I didn't realize this was on Disney Plus until I was just flipping through, uh, but I had the old school DVD box set with the original trilogy. And it had, you know, episodes four through six. And then it also had your bonus disc, which was uh, a couple of different documentaries. However, the the documentary that I am going to recommend for my and another thing is called Empire of Dreams. Oh, yes. And it it is the documentary about the making of the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh And it goes into Lucas's uh, kind of early career and his development of the Star Wars story and getting it getting it at a studio and all these things and then carries you through all three original movies and i was as we're watching this i'm like well you know there is a documentary about the making of star wars that explains a lot of the questions that you're asking yeah. and she kind of was like uh? <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh yes my young apprentice <laughs> my wife could care less about Let any, the like, documentaries flow and stuff through you <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, you want to watch a documentary with Dad? Oh, we can totally do that. Um, Let's get the crackers and cheese, baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, you know it. (laughs) But but Empire of Dreams is a fantastic documentary, and it is one of those reasons. Like, I have have downed George Lucas for for some things over the years, and I will admit, and I I rag on, on Phantom Menace and all that. But man, you know what? George Lucas has given a lot to my childhood and adult life. Like mm-hmm. you start thinking about all of, you know, industrial light and magic doesn't happen without George Lucas. Yeah. And think about all of the movies that ILM has worked on. Like they were talking about in episode two of, of, of the Mandalorian gallery about Jurassic Park. They threw that in. I'm like, of course. Of, uh, yeah, of course. Jurassic Park went through ILM. Yeah. You know, yeah. and of course, this you know this movie that I love had effects done by ILM. Like, of course, you know, of course they're on the cutting edge of this. Of course, like the you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, like they're talking about like how Edit Droid became Avid and all that. It's like, well, yeah, George Lucas wasn't in there. Like, hey, I'm going to program this thing, and I'm gonna, mm-hmm. he wasn't doing that. But it was, it's his work that funded that and that that kind of begat that. Yeah. So I mean, in some way, he gets credit for that like the way that we make movies now is fundamentally different from how they made movies before because of george lucas yeah. and watching this it's really cool to watch someone go through that process and and achieve something that is you know out of their head that is out of their dreams yeah and 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 see it actually come to fruition like this whole idea of like again in that episode they're talking about these are all characters that sprang from the imagination of George Lucas so you kind of have to go back and you're like okay George what what were you talking about and and seeing all of that come out of the mind of one guy yeah is really cool and it it, it is well and and you know I watched the last couple of um episodes of the last season of Clone Wars with with my younger one and um as we were watching them you know but I basically watched second to last episode and the last episode with them 
Um, and, I, you know, I'd watched the first couple seasons with them, so I had kind of an idea of the characters and stuff. There was some, you know, backstory I was clearly missing, but I just, you know, just was absorbing it. And, you know, as I'm sitting there watching it, I, I keep coming back to the fact that it just, it amazes me. And I think this is one of the reasons why I have such an affection for this franchise. It just amazes me that from, like you, you were just saying, from the mind of, of one man came this entire separate universe you know that mm. that so many people have whether they're writers or directors and i don't mean writers in terms of tv or movie writing i mean like book you know book authors who have just taken it in so many different directions and i'm like how cool is it that this is what he created you know that that he yeah. created something that has allowed other people to be as creative building on top of it it's just it's just incredible to me. I mean, you know, we, we have the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, but that, those are kind of contained into what Tolkien wrote about. You know, I mean, there there isn't anyone yeah. writing about the further adventures of those characters, you know, and it's just kind of neat that he's created this, this universe where you're not necessarily expanding about Luke and Han and Leia or anything like that. But with the Mandalorian, you're, you're just taking a character and a culture or, or, or a creed of sorts and and now running with that and and taking some of the history that has been established by other writers along for the ride and i i just think that's just such a neat aspect of what he's created this is the way yeah and it goes back to even something that, uh, that rick oh my gosh i don't even want to say his name because i'm i'm gonna mess it up and i'm gonna feel horrible about it but uh, one of the directors of uh, the mandalorian season one where he talks about even even getting a chance to like with his action figures continue the story like it was that sort of thing like it was he, and and that's one of the things that in the Empire Dreams documentary where George Lucas had talked with Joseph Campbell Joseph Campbell is the guy who who's written about the hero's journey and and the idea of hero and and myth mm-hmm. and and story and how this this is a universal concept throughout culture and throughout humanity and at one point, it, the, the, the one quote that stand out, I wish I could remember who said it, but had said that Joseph Campbell said that his greatest student was George Lucas. Yeah. Not necessarily because he sat in a class or anything like that, but he, he read through the story, he read through his information and was like, oh, this is how you do it. This is the way. And gave us this universe where all these things could happen and, and the hero's journey could play out in such a way that you could you could take it in any direction you wanted. Mm-hmm. Like it, it provided such a, a fertile field for your imagination that you just wanted the story to continue. Like I, I, I joke about wanting Battlestar Galactica to be 20 seasons long. Yeah. You know, but it, it was the type of thing with Star Wars where it becomes this expandable universe. Yeah. And it is remarkable that that could happen, and it's and it is wonderful. Yeah, and it and, is, it and is BSG, literally full of wonder. Yeah, and, and BSG, you know, is is about the journey, and when they mm-hmm. get to the end of the journey, that kind of closes the story a bit, and it's just, you know, like I said, it's just so amazing to me that you know you take a story like The Mandalorian, which is set a few years after Return of the Jedi. And it factors in the implications of, of the ruins of the empire. It factors in the implications of the political structure at that time and, and just all this other, you know, it's just, it's so, you know, it's just, it's so neat to see how they can just expand upon it. It's not, it doesn't just begin and end with the Skywalkers. It goes beyond it. And and I yeah. think that is, yeah. that that is the, the, the part that I think is going to allow that franchise to endure as long as it's in the hands of people who understand the value of what 
you know, the spirit of what Lucas was trying to do in that hero's journey. I think as long as you stay to that core, and I think they said that at some point in that episode too, that George's message to them was always leave them with hope. This is the way. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Filoni, like that that entire thing, like if you, even if you don't care about Star Wars, and you, but if you have Disney Plus, go to the Star Wars section, go to the Mandalorian. Yeah gallery episode two and about halfway to two-thirds of the way through look for the guy in the cowboy hat talking (laughs) he gonna be talking for a while but you will listen to that and i i love how after he finished like i'm sorry to ramble on and bryce dallas howard's like i have goosebumps from what you were saying i mean it was it was um oh my gosh it really does sum up and it it's this reverential feeling that that you get from people who just they genuinely love yeah. this material. They love these characters as if they were their own. Absolutely. You know. And that's and that's also why I I do I give a pass for the last Jedi is I I don't think that Ryan Johnson doesn't hold these in reverence. I think he was, you know, I think there's a whole other thing. I I don't feel like it was dismissive of those characters. I think he was trying to do something because it was out of reverence. He was trying to take that further. And I can respect that. You know, I think that's the reason why I can respect that. Because there, I've, I do feel there was a reverence there. It wasn't just a completely like, ah, screw all this stuff that came before. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was a reverential treatment. That's what I feel. And you know what? Anyone who disagrees with me can fight Tim. Dead rat. <laughs> so here we are at the end of the show. Once again, thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate it. Again, follow us on social media. You, uh, you book. YouTube. <laughs> A sigh. <laughs> Paging Saul Ty. Paging Saul Sigh. Also known my, as Sigh. Sigh. Sigh my. Sigh fi. Fee fi. Fo fum. Anyways, uh, so we, we, are, we appreciate y'all listening in. We, uh, feel free to subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. We are not picky whatsoever. It's at this point in the evening or the day, uh, well, it's evening when we're recording this, so let's go with the evening. Is it this point in the evening and the show when I turn to the less idiotic portion of the idiots who run this show and say, Sir, take me home. Well, my friend, we've been on all sorts of twists and turns, talking about BSG, talking about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I love the fact when, when, when those two worlds can come together in some small way, I'm looking forward. Uh, last week it was announced Miss Katie Sackoff will be coming to the Mandalorian as Bo-Katan. Uh, and that is going to be the, fantastic. I'm getting the vapors. Just mention, I, I knew it was happening. I'm like, I'm, I, I need a ginger ale right now. Star, Star, Starbug will be entering into Star Wars. And so it'll be good to see her. And, 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 her, and I, I saw like a side-by-side picture of what Bo-Katan looked like in Clone Wars and what, you know, in Miss Katie Sackoff. And my gosh, good casting there. So... Well, so we got we got Katie Sackoff, we got Rosario Dawson, and we got the original dude who played Boba Fett. And or, well, we Boba got Fett's Timothy like, Oliphant, who is also going to play some unnamed character. So he is whatever he is in is always enhanced by his presence. So, and you you know what's good to know? All this stuff happened before COVID, so we're in post production now. Mm-hmm. So we are definitely getting Mandalorian season two. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. So folks, I didn't need more disappointment in my life. So, folks, with all that good news, with all that, as, as Dave Filoni put it, as George told them, leave them with hope. We leave you with this. 
for the kids as you're wrapping up the school, get ready, mm-hmm. parents. It's going to be a long summer. <laughs> Which is kind of like, you know, the last few months anyway. So you've had time to prep. Oh, week 10 of lockdown, baby. Week 10. Here uh, we go. But, uh, you know, as always, folks, be safe, be healthy, and please, we beg of you, hit the lights on the way out. This is the way. I can take the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. I don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. You know, it just goes to, it just needs to be said after a BSG episode, I need a nap. (laughs)